Well, let, let's get started, folks. Um, here's our little recording. Hi to the people who listen, who David knows, I guess. Um, so, this morning, we are talking about goodness, um, which I'm very excited to hear because I don't really know what goodness means, how goodness is different than kindness or some of these other things. It's just kind of, I feel like a big umbrella term. So I'm excited for us to kind of dive into it, dig deep into this word. Um, so today we're joined by David Dewar, Mike Cagle, and Paige Pope. So starting out, if y'all just want to kind of introduce yourself, uh, maybe how long you've been a part of the OC community, and just any other relevant fun facts you would like to share. So my name is David Dewar. I have moved here in 2007, so I've been part of the church community here uh, coming up on 15 years. Um, I... Any, any relevant fun oh, facts? Any relevant fun fact? Um, Maybe what you do, or what? Well, I mean, where you're so, from? Yeah. Well, I'm from Central Alabama in a place called Opelika, which is near Auburn. Um, and we just recently moved my parents to Birmingham, so that is the first time in over 60 plus years that there is not a doer in that town. Wow. And so that has been a a bittersweet experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Cagle. Uh, we've been here since 2010. Um, I'm the husband of Jeannie Cagle. She's more <laughs> well-known than, than me. Um, and Jeannie and I are very involved in Freedom Prayer, which is a ministry we have here that um, uh, I have watched God work in, in a way that I've never, ever seen him work before. And I've seen do wonderful things, but uh, uh, and the cool part about Freedom Prayer is it's not just an Otter Creek thing. Uh, the first group in Middle Tennessee was at Otter Creek, and then Ethos, and then um, uh, and then uh, Brentwood Hills as a team, and uh, Cross Point Church, and Church of the City and grace and uh, we all work together uh, I did I led freedom prayer sessions at Church of the City this last week uh, I do it down at Spring Hill uh, at their campus I do it at Cross Point I do it at Ethos um, we have a team here but actually the team <coughs> is Middle Tennessee um, we started it uh, this a team was started at Highland Church in Memphis and we had people that we led prayer sessions for either on Zoom or they traveled here and we led freedom prayer sessions uh, with them here. And uh, so uh, my, the thing that gives me life is that uh, I uh, mentor and coach people in freedom prayer. Uh, I'm retired and, uh, and so between freedom prayer and golf and woodworking, <laughs> I stay pretty busy. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Did you play in the wind yesterday? <coughs> Friday. Friday. <laughs> Thursday was worse. Mm -hmm. Thursday and Friday? Well, I played three or four times a week. I know. I see you out there every time I go. That's the dream. I've, uh, I got uh, uh, grandfathered in on a membership. Yeah, and I so, got the good deal. 
And so uh, I play, I average about $10 a round. Wow. And, uh, That's nice. Get your money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, I'm Pace Pope. Uh, we moved here in July of 2019. Uh, we have a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, just my husband. Um, I have a background in education, but had some experiences with God over the last 10 years, and actually switched and went into, um, I'm a trained spiritual director, Wonderful. and then I work part-time for Lipscomb helping train spiritual directors, and so I'm working now to um, starting a nonprofit with three other spiritual directors. I went through that program. Did you really, Mike? When did you go through it? With Jackie? Jackie and Randy. Oh, that's awesome. Loved it. I don't think I was just talking with someone downstairs who went through the training, Mm -hmm. and we're wanting to put together a list of spiritual directors somehow on our website here. Yeah. So people can have access to that. Oh, that's awesome. Because Freedom Prayer and uh, spiritual direction really go well. They do. Hand in hand together. Yeah. How long does it take to get the certificate? Two years. But it'd be the best two years. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'm in grad school right now. I don't even know why I'm asking. Yeah, I'm like, why are you asking that? I think it's like I'm in a stop. My wife, and she says not till she finishes her school. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I just love school. <laughs> well, and it's different because it's like two, it's uh, five different Friday Saturdays. Oh, I see. And so, yeah, it's and then the reading is just unbelievable. So good. And so, the spiritual formation part. Awesome. Well, glad y'all are all here. Um, so kind of our icebreaker question we do each week is, do you have any memories associated with a specific fruit? Um, just this, It might have been the first peach of the season or the first fresh tomato off the vine, and you're just like, oh, man, that was just, you know, one of those kind of transcendent moments with fruit. Transcendent. Um, <laughs> Uh, mine would be, believe it or not, I grew up in, in Decatur, Alabama. We actually lived outside the city limits, and uh, my dad and I would pick mus- muscadines mm-hmm. every oh, year. Wow. And um, and the I would eat just about as many as I picked. And, uh, <laughs> and mother would make muscadine jelly. Oh, I thought you were wine. <laughs> well, I couldn't do wine, but I'm sure it would be good. <laughs> I can now, but it, you know, I've been set free. Um, anyway, that's my Awesome. I'm similar. Uh, I, I did have the experience of a, of a mango in a tropical place. However, the, the fruit experience that has always meant the most to me is my grandmother's strawberry preserve and jam Ooh. like it's and it's something that I as I've gotten older and further away from her death I want it more and more like mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that she it's it was her gifts to us like we would she was not a wealthy person but she would always have that and some other things that I'll come back and talk about later but it was stuff that I would treasure now like I would love to find it so mm-hmm. Um, the, when you said fruit, the thing I think about is uh, there was this peach tree at my grandmother's house, mm-hmm. and it was a, it was one of those they call it volunteers. I grew up in uh, New Concord, Kentucky, so it's a suburb of Tennessee Line, and um, she threw out a bunch of peach pits with her compost, you know, just chucking it out, kind of out in the, the field, 
in this great peach tree grew up and we planted, my dad had an orchard and he uh, planted different trees and no fruit was as good as the one from the volunteer peach tree that came up and that was, always had the best fruit, I always was the most grateful and it came up out of garbage. And Oh, it's like it's like when things just kind of come oh, all around. Okay. You don't plan. Sorry, on. I, I thought it was maybe a specific kind. Oh yeah, no, no. We think that we just always anything that came up and we didn't plan it, we just called it a volunteer. And we're like, oh yeah, look, volunteer. That's what it's called. That's a tree. The the best tree grew out of the garbage. It did. That's that's that's, that's some theology the right there. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So usually we have um, a video on the Bible project that talks about specific fruit of the spirit, um, but they don't have one on goodness. So I'm just kind of curious, how would you maybe not define goodness, but what aspects do you think are kind of some of the most important characteristics of goodness as a fruit? I think of goodness, um, when, I was, when I was thinking about this and praying about it, what came up was when God called creation good. Mm. And so I thought about goodness is is that returning to how God made you to be. You know, those elements of goodness that he put into you. Mm. When those, um, when we become, what is the quote? It's, um, I forget, Georgie, help me. It's like the, uh, Lee does it all the time, the, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And and so when we think about how we were created and becoming how God created us as fully human, there's a beauty in that, mm -hmm. and that is good. Yeah. And I think of that as goodness. I, sh I too struggle with this a lot. In fact, I was originally supposed to be able to kindness, and I liked kindness a lot more than this. <laughs> because it was easier to define. Uh, but, and I think part of the struggle of defining it is that in our language now, good is not good anymore. Like mm -hmm. you have the word great, or you have excellent. You know, and so even in grading an academic, you know, good is average or you know, slightly above. You know, there's not mm -hmm. good is not it's amazing. A, it's a B minus. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so in kind of doing some mm -hmm. some reading on it, I, I think I I had a better understanding that a lot of it is about character. And about the character of God, mm -hmm. um, someone who you know exhibits goodness is someone who you can see characteristics of God, you know, kind of a maybe all-encompassing of who God is and what He wants us to be. Going back to being uh, a beauty from God. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up with the concept of goodness as not being bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A good person was something who just a good person was someone who just didn't do bad things instead of and it stopped there uh, the focus wasn't on what they did with their life um, I guess you could say coming to church reading the Bible every day and those kind of things in the tradition in the place where I grew up um, the, over the years I've come to see um, goodness as um, the, NIV, the New Revised Standard Version translates goodness in, in this Galatians mm -hmm. 5 as generosity. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really what the word entails. 
and not just financial, but it's uh, it's much broader than that. It is a um, it is a way of uh, taking what you have been given, and you're just generous with it. If you have compassion, you show compassion. If you're a servant, you just goodness is just fulfilling who God created you to be in a very generous, generous way, mm -hmm. in a way that's so different than uh, than what people would expect from other people. Um, and so we we have a tendency to look at others and go, well, I'm not like them, not like them, not like them. But the, that's not what's important. What's important is who did God create you to be and be that. I'm, God did not give me to teach two-year-olds. <laughs> if he sends me to hell, that's going to be my job. <laughs> you know, I love my, my two-year-olds, but I'm, that's, that's not who I am. And, uh, but, and he had also put me in charge of the pictorial directory. You know, and so, but you put me in a setting where I can walk with people, love on people, be with people who are struggling. I, I don't care what people have done, I'll jump right in the middle of it. Um, and I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I just know they need help. Yeah. And they don't need to walk along. And I'll make a lot of mistakes, uh, but I'm an 80 on the Enneagram, so I don't mind jumping in. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of naive and stupid like that. So, but, uh, but to me, generosity is just being very generous in who you are and living that out and mm -hmm. and in the place where you live. Mm -hmm. So I, I really liked what David talked about with his grandma's preserves. Um, and kind of in one of our opening classes, uh, Nate Underwood talked about how, you know, trees are something that are planted for generations. You know, there might be this fruit tree on the back corner of the field and your grandparents' farm and that fruit tree has been you know, feeding the family for generations. So I'm curious if in y'all's experience, um, whether in your family or your community, if you have any stories of someone who planted goodness for generations and that, you know, their acts of goodness have continued to, um, you know, spiritually feed people. Like the strawberry preserves. Well, and, and she in many, many other ways. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it wasn't just the jam. Oh, well, and, and another is my grandmother, this is my mom's mom, and we had a special relationship, and I could go many times too long to talk about it. But one of the things that she would do, no matter where she lived, is she would have people over to her house. And she was a, I never knew my grandfather. He passed away before I was born. So she was always someone who lived by herself. And it didn't matter if she was in her, you know, probably 1,500 square foot, you know, house to her much smaller apartment when she moved to my people with my parents. Like, it was, she would invite more people than can probably helpfully fit into a room. Like, she invited her entire church over for Halloween. And they actually <laughs> called it Halloween. Um, and, and it was just, it was, that was just who she was. And so for me, what she has imparted on me is the love of hospitality, the love of looking out and being generous of 
uh, I think going in with what Mike was talking about, there was just a situation in her later life where someone who she gave rides to church, she helped with rides to church, she couldn't drive, but you know, she put her foot down and said, if you can't be nice to this person, then you can't ride with us. I mean, that's just the way she was. She wanted people to experience that everyone's okay and everyone is equal. And, and, and so that has impacted me and how I view people and struggle when people are not the nicest people in the world or struggle when they get on my nerves. I just think back to her and like, this is how Joan was. You know, this is yeah. how she lived her life. Fourth grade education, no, but love the Bible, read the Bible every year. You know, that's just who she was. I love that so much. You know, even if the house is too small, yeah. the table is always big uh, enough. Always. <laughs> There's always, you can always pull up a chair to the table. That's awesome. Um, mine comes from Jenny's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came, uh, I met Jeannie at Lipscomb, and we came home one weekend. She lived in Atlanta, and um, one of the f- first few weekends I came home with her, there was this woman there living with them who was probably in her late 20s, early 30s. And she was there because my father-in-law was driving down the street, and uh, this was back in the 70s. And he just said, I need to stop and see if she needs any help. She was just walking along the road. Come to find out she was homeless, had nowhere to go. So he brought her home. And she was living with him. She was, you know, over time they realized she wasn't quite mentally stable, but, you know, she didn't cause any harm. Um, they had foster children, unwed mothers in their homes. Um, uh, and when we got married, uh, we had foster children, and we had unwed mothers in our home, and um, and you know the the effect from generation to generation, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, it's it's just really profound to me, and it had such a wonderful impact on our kids. Um, we helped with one mom who. Uh, she, Come to find out she had personality disorder, schizophrenia. She had 16 different personalities. And she had four kids, all under the age of six. And a uh, tough situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about, um, you know, my parents, community was so important. You know, the church was a family. I still when we go back uh, home, my kids love it because they say we're either related to everybody in the church and the people that we aren't related to, they're like family. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, and that, that beauty of community, um, and it's messy, and you know, there were all these little bickerings, and you have all this stuff too, but that to me is really beautiful. And just like that sense of community, of that need of uh, connection and caring for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a farming community, and so there was just this interwovenness with um, nobody talked about it, nobody got committees together, you know, somebody <coughs> got hurt, everybody went and took care of the crop, or, you know, there was just always this, um, it was just who they were, and how they breathed, and we, we would get on, my dad was a teacher too, and he would pick up um, 
long after they knew that most of, you know there were serial killers <laughs> that were hitchhiking. Uh, my dad was still picking up hitchhikers all the time and into his 70s. And we were like, Dad, that's probably not a good plan. And he was like, I had him in school, Paige. So I was like, I know. <laughs> um, but he's, he's done some pretty hard time, Dad. You know, <laughs> like, we may not want to pick him up. And, but he always did. And he, um, and at his funeral, it was really moving to us just to see the variety of all the people that came. And mm -hmm. so, you know, just of loving and seeing people where they are and always being willing mm -hmm. to, to help and to, uh, to care for and love in those, with what he had. We, we never had a, a lot growing up, but whatever he had. He joked that there was this one couple that um, their well was broken and you know everybody's on well water. And they gave him money uh, to help with the well. We haven't had a for like 20 years. He said, and they used it to get a divorce. And that always bothered him. <laughs> <laughs> he, was like, <laughs> he was like, they used it to get a divorce. Um, but he was like, but you know, it was, and he kind of worked it out with himself, but it was so funny. It's like, uh, just that trust and that love of, of people and caring for people. Um, you know, and I think that's a great, just, you know, how many people came to that funeral and seeing all those potential trees that his fruit planted. Yeah. And then those will, you know, bring more fruit and plant more trees. And it's just, it's really beautiful. Um, so I'm curious if there's ways that others have shown you goodness and maybe often sometimes when you didn't deserve to be shown goodness that has really kind of impacted you and changed the way you understand goodness today. Mm -hmm. um, I hope this is not too heavy for folks, um, but some people around me have heard this before. Um, I was in ministry for a while and uh, and in the process of burning out, uh, didn't remain faithful to Jeannie. Um, and I got out of ministry for a couple of years and then eventually got back in. But um, her goodness to me over that period of time uh, is, um, I didn't deserve any of that. Um, you know, I know I know kids were involved, uh, but um, of course, if you know her, you you'll know that that's just what she does. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so you know, that's where I've seen it most impactfully in my life is uh, towards me mm -hmm. uh, that way. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. probably the closest person to Jesus that I've ever met. Um, and he would not like that I just said that about him. <laughs> um, but he, he's known me my entire life. And by the time I was old enough to know who he was, he was in the process of going blind. Mm -hmm. And his humility in dealing with that situation and his love for me 
no matter what my faults. And he walked with me through a lot of difficult times. Um, he would just listen and he would just kind of be someone who um, was extravagant with his grace and love for me. And I, and I think that that was, especially for a college student who was really just feeling the weight and the, the worthlessness of life, that's just what I needed. And he, he compromised with his wife. Uh, his wife was a city girl, and he was a country boy. <laughs> and so they built their house on this plot of land that the builder didn't think would be feasible. So basically, he created his country, his oasis in the backyard. And there was a little pond with a swing, and that's where he would counsel people. That's where he would go out, and he would just talk with people and listen, mostly listen. He was a very good listener. Um, and you know, a few years ago, my wife and I uh, went to Atlanta, where he lives now, and just as gracious, just as like picking up from from day one. And, and I think that there is there's something about walking with people who know every single bit of the good and still want to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Like that is that's. It is, it is heaven on earth to have that experience. Um, I think about I think about my husband. <laughs> um, when I was in my early kind of mid thirties, went through a faith crisis, and in his little church Christ girl was going off the contents and things like that. And, <laughs> And he was so sweet about it, you know, having small children and and then not really understanding at all. I drove her to the condo. <laughs> <laughs> he said, get me to another eat. No, no. <laughs> um, but he, he was kind of like taken aback by it, and he was like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll do this. And he was so good through it. And, and then even with the spiritual direction training, we were living in Houston at the time as I was flying to Nashville. And so supportive and so loving through all of that. And then um, didn't really, I didn't know at the time that he didn't understand spiritual direction or even what it was at all. He <laughs> 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 was like cheering me on. And then, um, and then I took a, a course, I did some inner healing prayer, very similar to spring prayer. And um, I came home and I was like, hey, can I, can I share my name? Can I share my name? And he was like, oh, okay, whatever. And I kind of rolled his eyes. Didn't kind of roll his eyes, made him roll his eyes. So he like, he's like, let me lay on the couch, you know, like we're, we're <laughs> and um, and then uh, Jesus just did the sweetest thing with yeah. him. It was so sweet, and he came up out of that. He's like, this, this is what you do. <laughs> it was a sweet moment of like I realized in that moment it's like he has supported me all these years without even understanding, you know, what I was doing, and so that to me was such that's a that's precious. Yeah, and that's precious. got like 15 minutes um so yeah so you know as we know from the Tennessee weather it can be a bit bipolar um and you know winters are cold but even sometimes springs can get very cold suddenly and uh you know if you've seen some of the trees have started to bloom and then been like oh wait not time to bloom yet but it's not always growing season, right? Like the process of growing fruit is kind of the cycle of the seasonal cycle of 
death and rebirth of whole, you know, uh, cold, hard times and then beautiful um, spring times. So in this, I think the same way is, or the same thing happens when you're cultivating spiritual fruit. Um, so what, what are some of the ways that these winter periods maybe in your life, um, these periods of, you know, trials or trauma that have really shaped how you understand goodness um, in a way that you would have never understood without having gone through that time. You know, when I was thinking about this, um, like I mentioned before, my dad, he, he experimented with everything. He was a teacher, so he had the summers off, and so he had huge gardens and, and uh, fruit trees and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, and this was my experience with his that I thought was really interesting. Of like, fruit trees don't live that long. Like they have, you know, even in my lifetime, uh, I've seen a couple iterations of his fruit trees. And he had mostly plum trees and um, plum trees, apple trees, and uh, I'm trying to think what else he had, peach trees. And um, he always planted them in the fall. So they always went through winter first. And he, in the, the thing with fruit trees that I find really interesting is that everything is dependent on the root stock. Like you can graft any branch onto a root of a fruit tree, and that particular branch bears a particular fruit as long as your root stock is solid. And so he would experiment, do different things. You can actually get trees that bear like ten different kinds of fruit that are all grafted on this one root stock, which I think is just beautiful. And and he did it in the fall because you have to go through that winter of letting your roots grow and develop and deepen so that they can produce that. And I think about, um, we were asking people the other day of, you know, in spiritual formation, you know, where were those times when you felt God the closest? Where were those transformational periods in your life where you really felt closest to God? And the truth of it is, it's, it's always through suffering. It's always in those times of, of pain or suffering or loneliness or confusion. And that's where, um, God's always there, like God's presence with us never changes, mm -hmm. but our awareness comes and goes, and so our awareness in those times is heightened, because a lot of the things that we distract ourselves with um, are gone, and so um, I just feel like those winter seasons that, I think in our culture, we're taught that a couple things, maybe not overtly, that if you're suffering, you've done something wrong, mm -hmm. and so you're being punished, and if you do all the right things, you make all the right decisions, then Know, which is just not true. And, um, and the second, that suffering is something that we need to put our head down and just get through. And, and there's some elements of that, but suffering is also one of those things of, you know, letting God meet you in that suffering and care for you. And there's, there's some things and some um, invitations and gifts, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in those seasons <coughs> of suffering that, um, that are really transformational. And so I, I had that image in my head of, and I love that because it's below the surface, mm -hmm. right? If you were just looking at the fruit, you'd have no idea that it was it just looks dead. digging deep into the earth in the same way, you know, we might not realize, but our roots are digging deep into God in that, those times. And it's only after the fact you look back and you're like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. that was... That was really important that I experienced that. Yeah. It just looks like a dead stick when you plant yeah. it. And all the fruit that comes from that. Not, 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 
Well, I was going to say not to say that, you know, God kind of brings about those bad times, but I think that, you know, just human experience, those bad times are going to come, and God is always right there with us as we come out of it. Well, and I think that's important to point out, too. I think that a lot of bad theology that pushes people away from God is around that God is doing this to me to teach me Mm -hmm. a lesson, Mm -hmm. and that's not true. Um, God hurts, and I think of that... uh, with Jesus at Lazarus's tomb, you know, where he wept, and there's different translations that say different ways, but it's like that he he was angry at death, he was angry mm-hmm. at the pain that death caused. So this is not what he planned. Like this is not what he wanted. And so all of these things that are broken, he doesn't want any hurts with us. And it's a beautiful image of Jesus came to suffer with us mm-hmm. and and not leave us alone in it. Yeah. And that, to me, is much more powerful than um, that image of God that he's somehow this puppeteer mm-hmm. that's orchestrating this ninja warrior force for us to learn all these lessons. Well, like that's a football cool. coach making you, yes. you know, run until you puke. Cool. Yes, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. Of karma, too. Is kind of, you know, oh, like no. Yeah. yeah, and it's just not true. Um, and so I think that makes people who are going through suffering suffer more instead of being connected to God because they feel shame, which is from the enemy, which is meant to pull them away from God. And so, yeah, yeah definitely want to differentiate. I, I do not mm-hmm. believe in that theology that God is teaching us a lesson. Or I think God takes really horrible things and He makes beautiful things from it. Yeah. But I don't think He, he orchestrates that for us. Yeah. That's that's where the metaphor differs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a couple weeks ago, my friend T was talking about and something that he said that was just really stuck out with me was the that all the fruits of the spirit are coming from the spirit like it's mm-hmm. it's it's not that we are cultivating the fruit for us to partake of it's that the spirit is cultivating the fruit in us and I, I going to this imagery of you know, the, 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 the season of darkness or the season of inability to bear fruit there is a um, a component of where perseverance plays into play, uh, uh, you have to wait until that fruit is bared. And for my my life, uh, we two years ago, two years ago, we went through a season of where we where I lost three people very close to me, and that grief has turned into some depression, and it's where I feel that there is not a lot of goodness in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And what is keeping me going is that I know that this is but a season. You know, and mm-hmm. I see it in every once in a while, like I was at a birthday party last night and I laughed at something really loud. I had not laughed I have not laughed that way in months. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those moments of, okay, this this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And I think that seasons of seasons of darkness will occur. You know, you, we we cannot escape them, and you know, and yes, there are some times where you you do something and you have to face the consequences, and sometimes there's stuff where it's just life, like life happens. And uh, one of the things that that gives me life is working with men who are in addiction, and the thing that that I'm always amazed at is how when they come to this realization of that it's not necessarily the act, it's what's behind going on, what's going on behind the act. Mm. And that is something that even as a, you know, someone who is just 
quote about normal life, that's true too. I mean, it's not just the, the act of goodness. It's not it's, it's what's going on behind. It's the characteristics of what have you been cultivating to bring forth the fruit. Is your, is the you know to continue the analogy? Is the soil fertile? You know, are you are you receiving what you need to receive so that you can bear better fruit? Um, back in the early nineties, uh, working with a church, and um, I was going through some sort of a faith struggle from the standpoint that there were certain issues I could not overcome struggles, sin struggles mm -hmm. to overcome. And on the basic level, um, here I was supposed to be a man of God, but I couldn't find the motivation to spend time with God on a daily basis. Not that you have to do that to be faithful, mm -hmm. but just just like I want to spend time with Jeannie all the time, why didn't I feel that way towards God? And so uh, I started going to the Academy for Spiritual Formation at Methodist Church Baton, and I flew to San Antonio from Atlanta oh, just yeah. because uh, one of my sins is impatience, and I didn't want to wait for the next year when I was in Birmingham, and so I flew. I convinced my wife to pay for the, uh, help me pay for that, and uh, and so that's where I learned about spiritual direction. And um, and during that time, I went through four years where I did not feel or hear from God. Nothing. Um, now, there's different ways to hear from God, and but I didn't know that at the time. Um, and I believe what God, one of the lessons that God taught me through that is, uh, I'm an eight on Enneagram, and an eight is very emotional. Uh, we get very passionate about stuff. It's in the gut level of the triad, if you're familiar with that. And so everything for me is not so much what I know here, but what I feel here. But when you go through four years of not feeling, that's a, that's a terrible place to be. And uh, what I believe God taught me, one of the many things he taught me during that is, he says, my, I don't give a flip if other words, you, you filled in the blank for me. Uh, yeah, God doesn't have a problem with certain words like we do. Uh, he said, I, I, don't, I don't give a flip about what you're feeling. I'm right here the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I think about my children. Um, when they feel down and like nobody loves them. And I've even had my children. My children now are 42, 40, and 38. So, you know, that's water way under the bridge. And they <laughs> grandkids. And, um, my kids would tell me, you don't love me. That really hurt my feelings. Um, of course, they were being children, not like an adult, I guess. But um, I just, uh, God says, 
It doesn't matter what you think. This is how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. And I was going through spiritual direction at the time uh, in Atlanta. And, um, and it, was, um, it was it was a way of deconstructing and reconstructing a, that part of my theology mm-hmm. and what that meant to me. And, uh, and now, no matter what happens, whether I feel good or not, I know he's there, period. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. He's there. Mm-hmm. No matter what I feel, no matter what I think, no matter uh, what anybody else says. That's why I have trouble with people saying, I hope God shows up. And I'm going, what do you mean show up? <laughs> he's here. He's never left. Mm-hmm. Parlor Girl. That makes me think of Parlor Girl. Never alone. Have you never. guys heard that song? You need to listen to that song. It's about feeling like God isn't there. Yeah. But He is. He but is. I know I'm never alone, but sometimes I don't feel God there. And I think it's, mm-hmm. I love that song because sometimes we hear that. Mm-hmm. Even though we don't feel Him there, He yeah. doesn't mean to you. During this time, a song came out. I think it was during this time. When you get old, you forget things kind of <laughs> blur together. And uh, uh, Laura's story came out with a song called Blessings. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember that song? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mind if I play it? Sure. Yeah, we, we can close on that.
song was, um, you know, certain songs are more powerful to you depending on where you are in life. Mm -hmm. um, when this song came out, we were with my dad, all my family, my sisters, he was dying, and um, I planted, Jeannie and I planted a church, which wasn't Church of Christ. Um, we had instruments, Jeannie preached every third week. And, um, and my dad thought I was going to hell mm -hmm. because I didn't name it a Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that this song came out when the people that you want you to love you the most um, and what God is teaching you is, is that these people who should love you in a certain way don't, but he does. Mm -hmm. And he will never leave you alone. And uh, he's there to help you to see what really counts in life. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for that, Mike. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for this um, great discussion. Um, I feel like I understand goodness better <laughs> now <laughs> than I did at the beginning of the class. Um, so y'all have a great rest of your week. And next week, come back for faithfulness. <laughs>